Panther fans who want to keep pounding. The ones who want an inside look at the vault. This is this 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 is views is from Street. Now here's your host Lonzo Wrightsell and Rob Brown. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into yet another arousing rendition of the Views from Mint Street podcast. Your home for all the Carolina Panther football talk you could possibly stand. And then just a little bit more bittersweet, my friends, as this will be our last game preview pod. Why? Because Tom Brady. That's not even true because our defense screwed it up last week. We didn't beat Tampa Bay. We got knocked out of the playoffs. And that means that the week 18 regular season finale is also... The overall season finale for the Cats and for the Saints this weekend as we travel down to take on New Orleans in an NFC South rivalry game. Ain't nothing on the line but pride down in the bayou this weekend. My name is Rob Brown, host of the Rob Brown Show here in beautiful Greenville, South Carolina, right in the heart of Panther country. And of course, joining me as always on the other side of the glass, metaphorically speaking, he is the one we call the great one, the co-host on that show. And this one, Lonzo Reitzel, is here as well. Hey, Rob, don't blame Tom Brady. Blame yourself. I have to loosely quote wrestling because uh, I'm contractually obligated to do it at least once per show, probably five to ten times. But how did you get a wrestling clause in your contract? Um, I, I want that. I, I roll like that, yo. That's 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 what I do. Is this a rivalry, though? No, what, it, what, it, what, what Lonzo's contract says is, I will be talking about wrestling or else my contract is no good. All right, yeah, that's from my end. Absolutely. Uh, I, I don't believe I can speak for more than five minutes without having some sort of wrestling thrown in there. Is it a rivalry between Carolina and New Orleans? Yes. Is it? Yes. This year? Yes. Rival- I-, I get I get very tired. And let's just go Rob Brown show and go off subject for a minute because I want to. I get very tired of people who go, oh, it's only a rivalry if blank, blank, and blank, and, and it's all on-field conditions. That's not what a rivalry is, man. Like, I, it's not a rivalry if a team wins six in a row. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. In fact, I would argue it becomes even more heated if you win that many in a row because the team that has won that many in a row is running the junk. The team that hasn't won that many in a row is absolutely heated, and when they do finally break over that hill, they're going to let the other team hear about it. We're right here next and between Clemson and South Carolina. Clemson, of course, was going for the fistful consecutive. Carolina got him this year, and the Gamecocks have been crowing. Just a little bit, pardon the pun. Uh, It is absolutely a rivalry, even if Carolina and New Orleans have nothing on the line. They have got some pride in this division. There's a lot of smack talk back and forth. I was actually on a couple of days ago with the guys from Inside Black and Gold Football uh, chipping in on their pod. And we kind of had this conversation and I said, you know, I think the rivalry between Carolina and Atlanta is more vicious. I think the rivalry, but I know the rivalry between New Orleans and Atlanta is more vicious, but I absolutely think, and I'll, I'll go to every message board you want. Every time the Saints and Panthers get together, there are a lot of Panthers fans that cannot stand the New Orleans Saints. And so if nothing else, the ability to end with a tied record with New Orleans, but also to point out that we got the season sweep against New Orleans is going to go down as one of the highlights of the season for us. 
If you say so, I just, I mean, are we going to get, are they going to get chippy out there? Are they both looking towards the horizon and where they're going on vacation? I don't know. How many, is this going to be a game where a lot of young guys get out there and play? I just, uh, who's the quarterback for New Orleans? I mean, there's just, there's so many questions out there that I don't know. I think rivalries are better, uh, especially in the NFL when both teams are good. I mean, there's there's some rivalries out there where both teams are good, and it and it helps. But this is not the case. This is a uh, you would say fighting for a the the better draft position, but in New Orleans' case, I guess it doesn't matter. So it's more of what's the incentive for Carolina to go out there and win this game? The honest answer is there's not one. There's really not. There's not an incentive to win this game unless you are Steve Wilkes. Unless you are Deontay Foreman looking for a new contract, unless you are one of the young cats that is trying to prove to whoever comes in as the new coach that you will be a part of their foundation, unless you are uh, Sam Darnold who is trying to prove that he can be, if not the franchise, he can be he can be the bridge quarterback to the quarterback of the franchise. There are individuals who have a reason to go win this football game. Honestly, it's better for the team to lose this game, right? I mean, as of right now, if I recall correctly, the lowest we can draft is ninth. The highest is fifth. Uh, For us to get that high, it would require an L this weekend. It actually makes sense that we would want to lose this game. But we can go back to week, what, five, six of this season and we have this conversation over and over and over about tanking versus going for it. I got to the point where I felt believe I felt that I believe that going for it was the right decision because going for it to win a division as opposed to going to for it just for the sake of going for it is the right way to handle it. But there's nothing on the line for the franchise. The best thing to do is lose the game. But I think there are too many guys on the field that have something to play and or coach for, because you got to think about the coaches too, right? Every coach out there is one of two spots. Either a, they are not going to have Steve Wilkes as the head coach next year. They will likely all, or at least most of them be looking for a new gig. So this is their, this is their sign off effort or Steve Wilkes will be the next coach next year. And they want to show him that they are there for him. They will go all out. They will be there and are worthy of hanging on to their job till next year. Franchise wise, not a lot of incentive to go out there and try to beat new Orleans, but there's too many guys on the field that do indeed have something to play for to lead me to believe anything other than you are going to get with the exception of some of the injured guys, all right? Like Brian Burns got listed today. Friday as questionable for the game based on some folks I've talked to. I think there is a chance that he could play on Sunday more along the lines of if this was for a playoff spot, Brian Burns would be playing this weekend, but because of the fact that It is not. There's no sense in risking a long-term injury to the best pass rusher you have on this team to really accomplish nothing. So, you know, everybody's got their incentives, their pros and cons, but I I suspect, as I do believe it is a rivalry, you are going to see two teams go out and try to beat each other on Sunday. So if you're Brian Burns, I mean, even if it's like maybe, you know, you got a hangnail or something, you're not playing Sunday, and I don't have a problem with that. Um, 
he's playing for his future, whether it's here or somewhere else. And I know that's kind of a joke, but not necessarily. He people wanted him last year. Next year, depending on the new coach, and also maybe he becomes part of a package to move up to get somebody else in a draft. It's a possibility. His best interest would be to get as healthy as he possibly can. Uh, I don't disagree, and that is why I think I, I think and, and he's not alone. In fact, we can take a quick look up and down the injury list as it stands right now, getting ready for week 18 on the injury list right now. Matt Ionitis is on there with the back. He did not practice at all this week, listed as questionable for Sunday. Uh, we did see Steven Sullivan and Chandler Wooten both practice in full earlier this morning. Uh, Brian Burns is on there listed as questionable with the DNP today with that ankle injury and Deontay Foreman with a knee issue that didn't seem to bother him until today. He was limited at practice today, mostly non-contact stuff and is listed questionable as well. Foreman, I'm a little bit more interested. I think you're more likely to see Deontay Foreman play because Deontay had a good enough year that I think he's going to be angling for probably a eight, nine, ten million dollar contract next year, but he's gonna want to go out on a high note in order to to sway it, whether it's from Carolina or somewhere else. But uh a guy like Brian Burns, as I mentioned all year long, especially when we went back to trade time when I was telling you guys McCaffrey was on his way out and none of y'all believed me. Brian Burns is a part of the core of the franchise for whatever coach is next. There is zero sense for Carolina to risk a full injury with him. So I suspect Burns sits, Foreman plays, maybe he's in a limited role, and Chuba Hubbard gets the majority of the touches out of the backfield. But that is what I think you'll you'll end up seeing lined up most of the time. Yeah, I can see that. Plus, throw in some blacks here, maybe get him uh, a bunch more carries. In the end, this is more – do you want to win the game – if you're a competitor, of course you want to win the game. But this is showcasing what you can do for it's like almost like a job interview to a certain degree. Because yeah, you got the rest of the film from from the year, but how do you finish? That's what it comes down to. How do you finish? Yeah, and, and I think it's a uh I think it's a very fair question, and I think it is absolutely a question that the Panthers will have to answer this Sunday afternoon down in New Orleans when they take on the New Orleans Saints. So let's get into this game just a little bit, shall we, ladies and gentlemen? The Views for Ministry podcast is in your ear holes right this very second. Do us a favor, if you haven't already, make sure you are subscribed to the Views from Mint Street podcast. Available where major podcasts are found on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Apple iTunes, or faux free on the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. And make sure when you do get subscribed that you click the little alert bell as well so that every time we pop up a new episode, you won't miss a minute. Let's talk New Orleans and Carolina down in the Big Easy, ladies and gentlemen. New Orleans with a one-game advantage at seven and nine. The Panthers enter this one at six and ten. Uh, very similar numbers in a lot of cases, top to bottom on the tail of the tape. Lonzo, NFL score. 
scoring, they are pretty much right next to each other in terms of scoring average. New Orleans, 22nd in the league, averaging 20.2 points per game. Carolina averaging less than a full point more at 21. Opponent scoring average, so defense. New Orleans, shockingly, actually top half of the league, but just inside of it. 13th best defense in the league, according to scoring average, surrendering 20.9 points per game. Carolina's, courtesy of Tom Brady last week, has fallen to 22nd best in the league, surrendering 22.9 points per game, a full two points more than New Orleans. In terms of offense per game, New Orleans averaging 335 uh, yards overall per game. Good for 19th in the league. They are 19th in the league rushing the football with 115 yards per game. They are throwing 16th best in the league at just over 220.6 yards per game. On the flip side, total offense, Carolina remains well towards the bottom, but have moved up a couple of spots up to 27th in the league. 312.7 yards rushing offense 127.4 12th best rushing offense in the league they are also the 28th best passing offense at 185.3 but here is an interesting little note about that so since Samuel Darnold has taken over as the starting quarterback so this goes only back to Sam Darnold's takeover If you go back six weeks, week 12, when Samity took over, the top offense with the defense's uh, defensive adjusted value over average, that is to say, when you take into consideration the average of the defense you're against, adjust that, and then take a baseline look, a median look at the average of the NFL. It's a statistic that evaluates a team's efficiency by comparing success on every single play to a league average based on situation and opponent. If you look at the DVOA, which is a stat that, for the most part, only the nerds really care about, but hey, the nerds run the world. The most efficient, efficient, not explosive, efficient passing offense in the National Football League is the Carolina Panthers. Which, uh, you know, all we have done is preach all year long that they need to run the ball. The fact that they're leading, and I mean, that, that, that they're that efficient with passing and still losing, I might add, uh, points out that we were right. They still needed to run the ball, and they didn't. If you had that, that potent of a passing game along with a good running game consistently every single week, the Panthers would have won the South and would be uh, – Heading to the playoffs. The uh, the reality here is that you have Sam, to, Sam Darnold played pretty well, except for yes. last week with the uh, with with the turnovers. Over that six week span, Darnold has completed sixty one point six percent of his passes for exactly eleven hundred yards, seven touchdowns, and just one interception. Also, boasts a one hundred five point four passer rating, the second highest amongst all quarterbacks with at least fifty attempts so far this season does that make you want to keep him it makes me not afraid to utilize him as a bridge quarterback do I think that Sam Darnold is a franchise quarterback do I think he's going to be up there with the Lamars and the Aarons and the Tommies no not at all 
Do I think that Sam Darnold can carry you for a year if you build up everything else and create a situation where the team can carry the quarterback to success? Do I think you could have a Brad Johnson-esque run with Sam Darnold? Absolutely, I do. I think he's good enough that if you have a great run game, and this is where it's going to get interesting, because Deontay Foreman, especially if he has a big game in Week 18, Deontay Foreman is wanna is going to want to get fat stacks. And frankly, whether he deserve it, uh, deserves it or not is subjective, but he's going to want to get paid top 10, top 7 NFL running back money, right? This running back class coming into the draft is pretty good, and it's got a couple of bruisers. And it's got a couple of bruisers that are better pass catchers and pass blockers than Deontay Foreman. The one criticism that we have kind of avoided, and you would avoid it, on a team that when they win, runs the ball 45 times and throws at 17, you're not going to have your running back getting very involved in the pass game. Deontay Foreman is a very pedestrian pass catching running back, and he's actually not a good pass blocking running back at all. There are guys that are going to be in this draft class that can catch the ball out of the backfield, can pass block, and are also the big bruising back that you compare with Chuba Hubbard. So, Worst case scenario is you take a gamble, you find another one, a guy, or you keep Deontay Foreman, you have a very successful run game, and you allow Sam Darnold to come out and do what we have said we wanted him to do since week 12, be efficient, don't feel like you have to be a stud, I don't want you on any fantasy football sleeper sheets, I don't need you out there trying to make ESPN's top 10 at any point, just go throw the high percentage passes to the best ball players, and let's see what happens. I think he's good enough if you have that, a stout run game, and a good defense, that there's a very good chance that Sam Darnold could be good enough. Brad Johnson, good enough. And here's the thing, I and I know he's looking at this, and I'm sure we'll talk about this eventually, him coming out of support of Steve Wilkes. So if Steve Wilkes is the coach, Sam Darnold is probably going to be the quarterback. Because out of all the quarterbacks that, that Wilkes started, yeah, there were three. I mean, it's not like the but but still it was three. And surprisingly, Sam Darnold is the most consistent and has situationally looked the best. So um if Wilkes stays, then Sam Darnold's your quarterback. Then you gotta figure out where the Panthers are gonna go with their draft pick. Or unless they do what you said. And Sam Darnold becomes that uh, transitional quarterback, the guy who's just there until the new guy gets ready. I, I just, I like I said, I don't know that I'm quite ready to say Steve Wilkes will or won't that he would keep this guy, he wouldn't keep that guy, he wouldn't get rid of that guy. I, I'm just, I'm not quite ready and comfortable enough to say that. Uh, I would say that. If you are looking at a situation where you don't have the ability to get a franchise quarterback this year without giving up a ton, Sam Darnold's fine. Sam Darnold's fine. And I think that number I just read for you about his efficiency, not explosiveness, not excellence, efficiency. If you don't have a Lamar, an Aaron, a Tom, a Mahomes, you want efficiency. And that's the number he is giving you. Let's look down some more of these numbers and finish up our conversation about this game. And then we can keep going with that discussion and a few other ones uh, coming up in the final segment of the pod. 
In terms of defense, the New Orleans Saints, as we mentioned, have the ninth best defense overall, giving up less than 322 yards per game. Carolina giving up over 353, 22nd ranked defense with about 32 yards of difference between. It's not as big of a gap as those numbers might lead you to believe. Rushing defense, New Orleans 21st in the league, Carolina, uh, Carol, Carolina, Carolina 19th. It is in the passing defense that is the difference. New Orleans has the third best passing defense and Marshawn Lattimore, the outstanding cornerback for New Orleans who has missed quite a few games, is back for this game. So they will have their stalwart back there. We cannot rely on throwing the ball this game. We cannot. You you, you, you got away with it a little, bit, a little bit against Tampa. Tampa's an average team at best on defense. Uh, good up front. Average team against the pass. New Orleans is one of the best three teams in the league against the pass. We have to run the football. Whether you're trying to win or not, if you even want a shot, you have to run the football. We are the 23rd best passing uh, rushing attack. The good news for us on that front, Lonzo, is that Alvin Kamara has not been the beast for the Saints that he has been in your past. Now, he pops off a big game every now and then. I think it was after we beat them back in week three that Kamara had a quote that I loved where he said, we got to get our swag back. And he came out the next week and put up like three touches and 110 yards. And then it's pretty much been a, a very average back ever since then. They have had a real problem running the ball. Speaking of efficient quarterbacks, Andy Dalton has been sneaky efficient with the football, and he does get his full complement of receivers back this week for the first time in a while. We have got to be, especially with a banged-up secondary, have got to create chaos against a journeyman offensive line that's been cobbled together due to injuries for New Orleans. We cannot let Andy Dalton get comfortable because of how efficient he has been with the football. First of all, you say, and we can't let Andy Dalton get comfortable. It's just, it's a scary phrase. It really is. Uh, for a while, Dalton was really good, but he's on the downside of his career. Some could say the same thing for Tom Brady. And look what happened to uh, Carolina's defense last week. Carolina's defense has been one of the strongest points the entire year, except for there's been a couple games where you're like, oh, who's that on the field? Like last week when they got burnt. Uh, by Brady so much. Dalton's not Brady, but he's not that much worse than Brady. Efficiency. Uh, yes, as far as that goes. So if you don't shore up what you did last week and uh, actually cover some receivers and put some pressure on the quarterback, we could see a repeat happen again. And the fact that the Saints, as you pointed out, are on a winning streak. It's Three not games. like they're coming in going... Three games and knocked yeah. off a well-rounded Philly team. They absolutely did. Um, Philly I mean, beat Philly. Yeah, like they beat Philly. They did. They did. They, they beat Philly like they were the better team, and they're not the better team than Philly. And yes, the only thing Philly didn't have was a starting quarterback. But the rest of that team is really good. And New Orleans knocked them off. So this can't be, well, you know, the Panthers beat the Saints earlier in the year. This is a gimme. No, it's not. Not with the way the Saints are playing. And the defense has to step up and play like they played most of the season, just not like they played last week. It comes down to this, ladies and gentlemen. Gosh, Control-C, Control-V, copy-paste. you got to run the football in New Orleans. You have to do two things. 
With the football, you have to run at them. You want to do a couple of things. Number one, increase the time of possession. Do not let Andy Dalton have any time with the football because, again, he has been very efficient. Not explosive, not excellent, but efficient with the football. And I want to limit that, especially when he's got his full complement of wide receivers not named Michael Thomas back on the field around him. Second thing, chaos at the line of scrimmage. You don't have – I mean, you've got to be careful with Dalvin Kamara. Because we have seen Alvin Kamara in the past be a slip screen master, right? A guy that steps up, makes it look like he's going to chip block you, then just kind of runs out to the flats, takes a couple of linemen, and runs an excellent screen. He hasn't been that great at it this year, but you're in the wrong place at the wrong time and undisciplined. He can still do that. Dalton can still find him, but you've got to create chaos at the line of scrimmage. You don't need to give Andy Dalton any more time than you possibly have to to stand in the pocket, scan his reads, look left to right, and figure out where he wants to throw the football. Chaos on the defensive front seven is absolutely critical to making this happen. And on top of that, you got to cover up the banged up secondary, right? Uh, we saw C.J. Henderson get absolutely roasted last week while Mike Evans. Well, I got news for you. Chris Olave can do everything Mike Evans can do out there, and Jarvis Landry back can do most of what uh, Mike Evans can do out there as well. If the Saints bring a scheme where they are going to try to set up our second-string cornerbacks with one-on-one on the outside, and we are not creating chaos, Andy Dalton's not as good as Brady, but he's efficient with where he throws the football, though. If we are not creating chaos at the line, those wide receivers with an efficient Andy Dalton will eat us up on the outside just like Tampa did last week. The Views from Midstreet podcast rolls on. If you haven't done it, ladies and gentlemen, do us a favor and share this pot around your social circle on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever Yont to tell folks about the views from Main Street Podcast, especially, you know, we had a conversation about this with the boss the other day. I said, you know, it's kind of interesting, I think, because uh, I expect the pod to grow faster over the two months or month and a half between the end of our season and the draft. I expect it to grow faster than in season, right? Because you get a lot of guys who pop up and do pods and vlogs and whatever else when they can break down games. We are going to keep going. Until either A, they tell us not to, uh, or B, till we get done with it. And that will not be until well after the National Football League draft. We will be doing our homework and keeping you up to date on everything. So if you have got a Panthers fan in your life who wants to keep the Panther talk going, share the V's from Main Street podcast with them, please. And thank you. Let's get into a couple of the other news and notes that come with this game and come with this week. Lonzo, we gave you the injury report early. I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, frankly, because I think we have hammered this conversation into the ground, then dug it back up and done it again. But there are now more players coming out very publicly and saying that Steve Wilkes should be the head coach next year. This time, it is Bradley Bozeman. Bozeman put up an Instagram post on the Riot Report that said, quote, uh, Bradley Bozeman said, yes. Here's what I mean. The Riot Report put up a pod that's, or put up a, a tweet 
Uh, that's our Instagram post, sorry, uh, and millennial stuff, you know, technology, who knows, put up an Instagram post that said we couldn't start the series in any different way. Since taking over a one in four Panthers team from Matt Rule, Steve Wilkes has a five and six record in the support of the locker room. Would Steve Wilkes be the right hire for HC? Bradley Bozeman's official Instagram account replied to that with just the word Yes. That's just uh, that's that's not what I want from a team that I root for. I want them to want more than than mid. I want them to win. I want them to want to win. I want them to uh, excel. I want them to look towards the Super Bowl, and not towards vacation. There are just so many things that, as a fan, I would like to see. I get it when someone when when it's your guy, it's your guy. Whether he's doing well or not, it's your guy. You know, and it's awesome that as a person, he's garnering all this support. But as a coach, he needs to show more, and he's not. And you can and and Rob has say, yeah, but he's doing this with Matt Rule's people and all that kind of stuff. Are you willing to, uh, if you're David Tepper, to put the money forth to uh, to pay another guy who you may end up having to let go in two years when they don't. Uh, succeed and have to pay them to sit at home or go somewhere. I mean, he got a little little lucky when Matt Rule decided to go back to college because he didn't have to pay a, a bunch of money that he was already supposed to have to pay him since he went and got another job. I just, I just want more, and I get it. And I've worked with people that I really like, but I knew we weren't going to go anywhere with those people. I think that, and again, he said, saying just a second ago, we've beaten the conversation and we don't want to spend a ton of time on it. That I will anyway. So there's a couple of things that go into head coaching. I know we got into this a little bit earlier, so I'll, I'll keep it short and sweet. You know, like I do. few words. Why, why, why say more? Obviously, you're known for that. Yeah. That's Very funny. concise, to the point. That's why we're doing a podcast. Correct. Yeah. Because we don't have enough during our live three hours of radio. The Rob Brown Show, which airs from 9 to noon every weekday on the Fan Upstate, available for free on the Odyssey app. If you like the pod, you'll love the show. Check it out. A lot of yes and no questions and dead air. Correct. That's what, yeah. That's, Very boring. Yes. No energy to that show. Uh, that's a lie. It's nothing but gas. Anyway, step one, I think of being any good, any good head coach in the NFL is to build a culture. Now, the concept of culture, obviously, varies literally individual to individual, right? What I might think is a great culture, you might hate, and vice versa. Culture is less about the behavior of the people and more that everybody is on the same page. Uh, Look at, for instance, college football. Do... Sonny Dykes at TCU and Nick Saban have the same culture between TCU and and uh, and, uh, and Alabama. Does Nick Saban and Kirby Smart, best two coaches in the SEC right now, have the same culture? No. But what they do is they go get guys who want to be a part of the culture, who learn the culture, who become a part of the culture, and who help build the culture. I'm going to tell you right now, if nothing else, forget what he's done with the record, forget what he's done with Matt Rule's team, forget win percentage, forget stats, forget all of that. If nothing else, Steve Wilkes has very, very clearly built the most cohesive locker room this Panthers football team has had in probably four years. Okay, I, I, you can argue with me if you want, but you're wrong. It is the most cohesive locker room the Panthers have had in nearly half a decade. That's a massive 
first step. An absolutely massive first all the, step. All the players love Ron Rivera. That's all I'm saying. They they all loved Ron Rivera. I understand. Step two is the results. Ron Rivera wasn't getting the results anymore, right? Steve Wilkes. Steve Wilkes, and again, I know you keep hammering on it. If Steve Wilkes wins this game, he will have outpaced Matt Rule in 11 or 12 games. He will outpace Matt Rule in a full 17-game season last year, 16 games this year. Yeah, he won five games. You know what I did? I won six. Right. Wow. In less games. I'm not doing wow. this with you again. No, 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 no. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, just overall, I mean, you won winning, one more game. Winning six of 12 is significantly more impressive than winning five Still of mid. 17. Still mid. Okay. That being said, doing it without your tool set is more impressive than doing it with your tool set. If I take a damn good house builder and I put them in somebody else's truck with somebody else's toolkit, they might just build an okay house, but the fact they did it with somebody else's toolkit makes that house more impressive, even if it is a mid-house. You take a master musician, you give him a poor, let's say, violin. He's still a master musician. He's going to make that thing sing. Because that's what you do. Right, with you years make of more, experience make, yeah, as a violinist. You make more with less if you are if you are good enough to do that and you don't make excuses or have people make excuses for you about having less games to, 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 and all that kind of stuff. To learn Hey, the culture is good, but you're still not winning. To learn first off he is to learn the intricacies of doing something. You have to do it. You have to do it. Uh, anyway, we'll get we'll get back to this. I suspect we'll be having this conversation a few more times as we head into and through the. You draft. know what? I hope we won't. I mean, listen. Let's let's go back just one more time again. Let's go back one more time again, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know if you got my point, but if that's, Jim that's Harbaugh, fun. there we go. You did get my point. Or Sean Payton are available. They are your hire. Okay. We're all on the same page there. If Harbaugh is indeed available, Absolutely. and by the way, Michigan got handed down a notice to investigate infractions. They are accused of a couple of different recruiting violations, including contacting recruits during a dead period. That's a big, big no-no. And inside of that notification came the possibility that Jim Harbaugh could be suspended for a few or several games based on uh, those violations, those infractions. If that happens... I suspect Michigan would be looking to take a little bit of that cash money back from Harborough. If that becomes the case, maybe coming back to the league becomes more impressive. One of our colleagues had uh, a gentleman who used to be friends with, or maybe still is, I don't know, but wrote a book on Jim Harbaugh at one point who said that if Harbaugh was coming back to the league, he firmly believed that Carolina would be the job or or was the most attractive job, but would be the job that Jim Harbaugh takes. If that happens and Harbaugh's available, all due respect to Steve Wilkes. If you'd like to be the defensive coordinator, I'd love to keep you on, but you're not the HC Jim Harbaugh is. If Sean Payton's available, and if, and I told this to the guys on the Saints pod the other day, if Sean Payton is available, I think Saints fans think they're going to be getting like two or three first-round picks for Sean Payton. They're not. They're going to get a first and maybe a mid-round second pick, right? Because, think about it, there's only a few teams that could or would be interested. Who's interested right now? Everybody wanted to jump to the Dallas Cowboys. But Mike McCarthy has the Dallas Cowboys in a position where with a win this weekend, they could, with some help, potentially be the NFC East champions. They are going to the playoffs. If they go into the playoffs, likely, 
They're taking on Tom Brady. If they go into the playoffs and knock off Tom Brady in the opening round, you can't get rid of Mike McCarthy for Sean Payton at that point. I mean, you could. Well, it it is, would be it super JJ. Jones, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It'd be super JJ. But I can't imagine that would happen. So Dallas is out, right? Which leaves you, once again, Colorado, Indy, Carolina. For the same reasons that Carolina would be the most impressive, the most attractive to Harbaugh, be the same reason it would be for New Orleans. And because there would only be one, maybe two other teams, the bidding war for Sean Payton is not going to pop off like I think Saints fans think that it will. If you can get Payton for your first round draft pick and maybe a fourth this year, hell yeah, you do it. Steve, if you'd like to stay on as the DC, you're welcome to, although the rumor is Sean Payton's already talked to Vic Fangio about taking him with him to be the DC, but that's all smoke. We'll find out. Point is, if Harbaugh and Peyton aren't available and you've got your entire locker room already gelled and solidified behind their guy, I'm probably going to listen to him. I probably want to make sure, especially if you are Teps and Fitzy trying to up your uh, credibility with the team. That's a real good way to do it. We'll see. I, I mean, you're right. We don't need to. We don't need to argue about this too much further. But arguing's fun. You know. You know my opinion. I know your opinion. But I do agree. If either one of those coaches are available, you go with one of those guys because those guys are proven winners in the NFL. And so far, Steve Wilkes is not. Now, ladies and gentlemen, what we want you to do is give us your opinions. Hit us up on the social media. I am at the Rob Brown Show at the Rob Brown Show on Twitter and Instagram. You get to get to Lonzo on the Twitter at Lonzo on word at l-o-n-z-o-o-n-w-o-r-d give us your thoughts give us your feedback on everything we just brought up and more we will be back on monday it'll be our final review pod of the season we'll take a look back at the weekend that was the game against the saints on sunday final score prediction lonzo wow uh every other game the panthers run really well i think they're going to do that this week i'm going to go with Despite everything that I've said, Panthers 24 and the Saints 21. 24-21 Panthers over the Saints. I actually really like that score. That's actually about where I was going. I think it keeps you within the average score, both given and taken by both teams. Um, Again, it's just like it was last week. Are we going to see the team that ran the ball through the throats of the Detroit Lions, or are we going to see the team that threw it 45 times against Tampa? If it's the former, we win 24-21. If we lose, we if we do the second, if we do the latter, we lose 24-21. It's a good score either way. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you back here on Monday. We appreciate you listening. For Alonzo, I'm Rob Brown. This was the Views from Mint Street Podcast. See you Monday. And keep pounding, baby!